Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode Milan Lucic, episode 17 of 2, 5, and 10. Well, I guess that's the old Milan Lucic now that he's been uh, rejuvenated up there in Edmonton for the better, clearly. Uh, as always, accompanied by my co-host, Ben Stu. Benny, give him a shout. Big win on Saturday. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, I saw it. I saw uh, that my co-host there definitely picked that other team to win. But don't worry, I also went uh, 0 for it was 1 the, this week. Reverse Juju. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what happens. Two of us bet the Bruins, we both get shit. Uh, a special guest co-host this week, uh, a longtime friend of the show, uh, Jason Maines. Everybody say hello to uh, our boy Mainzy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Um, getting into it, before I guess before we go any further, um, I know this is a hockey podcast. I'm, I've done it once or twice. Please, please don't do it. Please don't do it. I, I have to. Don't. <laughs> Tom Brady. My God. That, that was phenomenal. Um, I had to go with that bad boy for life intro because, I mean, if you guys didn't see that Instagram video, like, that that was great. I loved it. Uh, we're on to L.A. or whatever they want to be called now, the Rams. But anyways, let's talk about something to get Benny back, you know, with us because I know he was he was getting off track real quick. Henrik Lundqvist with the uh, milestone win this week. Benny, give me everything about it. Um, give me a thumbs up whenever you're done, and I can uh, tune back. <laughs> uh, well, just a quick thing about I guess the fucking Patriots. You know, I used to hate them. I still hate them as a Jets fan, but it's gotten to the point where it's just like, just let me know when they retire so I can actually start caring about football again. Set nine Super Bowls in 17 years just with Brady and Belichick. The Jets have one Super Bowl appearance in the last 58. So suck my dick. <laughs> um, getting at something positive here, Lundquist. So he just passed Terry Sarchuk for sixth all-time on a wins list for 446. Uh, he'll definitely be passing Cujo for fifth all-time uh, by the end of the season. He has a chance to finish third all-time, depending on when uh, Luongo hangs him up. The thing I found interesting was he, him and Hashik are the only goalies not from Canada in the top 15 on the all-time wins list. Uh, and he's the only one from Sweden, obviously, with uh, Hashik from uh, the Czech. So, yeah, franchise uh, for the Rangers since 06 when he started. Uh, nice to see him starting to get some recognition towards the kind of tail end of his career. Uh, likely finish top four, top three all time in a wins. I don't think anybody's going to be catching Brodor anytime soon. Does it pain you that Marty's up there? Or how do you feel about that? I mean, to be honest, I'm getting used to just getting railroaded by one single player from an arch rival in every sport. So we had... Ortiz in baseball, we have Brady in football, we have Brodor in hockey, so I'm kind of getting used to it at this point, but uh, I would definitely have loved to see Patrick up there uh, still. I mean, getting in more detail and looking at the list, I mean, A, like, look at it. You want to talk about big-name people on there, Brodor, Wah, Belfour. Like you said, uh, interesting up there with Roberto Luongo that high, and as to whenever he's going to retire, who, who knows? I mean, he seems like he spends half of every year hurt. So, I mean, I think that's uh, him resting for a little bit of longevity. But, no, I mean, like you said, depending on where Luongo finally retires, yeah, he could end up being third all time. And the other thing is this, too. You guys are going through a rebuilding year. So, definitely, if it was a different year and a better team, or even last year or the year before, he, he could already be up there which is a little scary so i mean i think he's got it shafted a little bit on that end but when it comes to age he's definitely aged well and no dust on him boy just you know cooler than the other I, side of the pillow the funny thing for me is just looking at the career penalty minutes for the goalies in the top 10 uh Lundqvist has 16 compare that to eddie belfort with 380 <laughs> <laughs> What's your he's a, thought? He's a lover, not a fighter. Well, you know, it's a Swedish thing. Uh, Mainzy, what's your thoughts on Henny up there? Uh, it's definitely impressive for him, for sure. I mean, this season he's definitely going to be taking over fifth all-time because his only 
think eight wins separating him and Cujo. So he's going to get that. And like we said, you guys are saying it's all about Luongo, how long he's going to stay and where he's going to end up on the list as to if Luongo will end up getting up there into the top three or not. Yeah, he's four away from Eddie. So unless he just completely falls off, I think he'll end up in the top three temporarily until Hank gets there, which, like you touched on, Kev, he has two years. He has this year. Uh, and then I think he has uh, two more years left on his deal. Long Chris yeah, he Rangers. has three years left, to- three years left, including this year. Yeah, so he's definitely going to finish. Uh, by the time his, this contract's over, he's definitely going to be top three, probably over like the low five, 500 wins. It'll be interesting to see if he's still in the Rangers when it happens or if he's doing it for somebody else, uh, possibly winning a cup. I'm going to say it because I have to go there. And we talked about it before we came on the air. But um, for everyone that does listen to this show, we love you. We appreciate you. The second part of this, usually if you listen to us, you probably listen to uh, probably a better known and a better represented podcast with the stories and everything else. But um, I'm going to call them our competitor. I'm not going to say their names. But they were discussing this week a... um, Henrik Lundqvist being traded or possibly going somewhere else to finish out his career and all that. So I would just like for them to at least acknowledge us or credit us when we talked about that last episode. So I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, obviously they must have listened and um, they just wanted to take whatever we were talking about. But um, I mean, that's like the second or third time. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, we don't really know anything or anything like that. We've been told. But on to the next thing. Uh, speaking of goalies. Tuka Rask, while playing your Rangers on Saturday night, got ran over by Cheadle. Philip Cheadle. Um, Cheadle, however you say it. Um, <laughs> not, not his fault. Uh, McAvoy definitely knocked him into him, but definitely scary. I mean, he got absolutely leveled, dude. Like, flat on his back, out cold, carried off the ice. Ah, uh, not looking too good. Head must hurt. Yeah, has there been an update on him yet? The only update they have given is that they confirmed it was a concussion. And that's it. Yeah, well, no shit. I think everybody knew that the moment it happened. McAvoy, I don't know what he was trying to do because he'd already got the shot off. So I don't understand as a defenseman angling an opposing player into your goalie's crease, which was astounding to me. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ras just started getting his play on track. Uh, like you mentioned last week, so kind of a shit timing for that. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, as a late, he's been playing a lot better and definitely sucks as for the timing of it. Uh, as for the incident and everything, no bad blood towards Heedle. You can tell he was definitely trying to cut out past the you know, the, the blue there. Looked like he was definitely popping out, and then when McAvoy hit him, kind of just completely took him into Rask. So don't worry, he's not on our hit list. So don't worry, Benny, you guys can sleep a little <laughs> bit better. Well, it's fine. We got McQuaid, and he'll just beat the shit out of whoever wants to step up anyway, like he did, uh, what was it, Butler or Wagner? Wagner. Yeah. Well, like, he... why are you running at Jesper Faust? He's like, his definition of the Lady Bing trophy. Well, he wasn't that fast. He wasn't that fast. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but what do you guys think if this is like a lingering issue for Tuca um, about making a move? I know Bobrovsky's probably on it. I. Uh, on the block, but I don't know if Columbus will deal him to an Eastern Conference team. But would you guys call just call somebody up and go for lock or make a move for somebody? Uh, fire away, Mainzy. You were going after this the other day. Uh, well, I can't say that I really want to get rid of Tuka, considering the fact that him and Halak have both been back and forth all season. Tuka's been playing good recently, but if you look at Halak's play, he's definitely slowing down a little bit right now. Not saying he won't come back around. Maybe with Tuka being out, this will be one of those things. He has a stance, chance to step up and shine. But uh, it's definitely going to be a scary situation. It's also, with Deal and Tuka, you also have to look at He has a big cap hit, and he has been a very streaky goalie. That's going to be a very worrisome thing for any team that would want him. That's a lot of money for someone that is streaky. Um, yeah, I guess that's where we can go with that. I mean, Case, if- what do you got? Let's say Tuka's just put on IR. Would you guys make a move for Corey Crawford to split time with Halak? I mean, I think we might, 
we might have to consider doing something depending on how long it is because of neither of the goalies that are down in Providence have actually been proven at the NHL level as of yet. Yeah, I think a huge thing is, like you said, Benny, if he actually goes on IR and asks for how long, that I think that's what kind of pushes your hand. The, the only issue here is with this now being his second concussion because he got one last year in, uh, in practice. I guess Anders Bjork ran him over. So now with this being his second one, is this kind of going to be a repeat thing? Is he going to be a little shaky when people come towards the crease? Um, but, yeah, if he's out for the rest of the year, you do have to look for somebody else. You're now going to have to pay for it because people know you're looking for it. Yeah. Um, as for, like you said, Bobrovsky being one of those guys, I mean, yeah, you can try making a call, but I think it was like you said, too, I don't think even with all the issues he's having in Columbus, I still don't think he would be dealt in the conference. So I just don't know where you would go. I mean, it, you'd probably have to try to find a diamond in the rough, someone like a Carter Hutton who was a backup for all those years but kind of shown in spots that he can take a a starter role. I mean, yeah, yeah. like you said, too, I mean, like Halak has slowed down a little bit as of late. And another thing is that's good, at least, is him and Tuca have split time, so it's not like you have a complete backup who's only played seven, eight games this year jumping right in. So at least on that end, it's a little bit of a confidence builder. But, yeah, as to length and extent of this is going to be tough. And they're talking about how it's very rare for like a number one goalie to be dealt in season in NHL. The last time it was done was Ryan Miller in 2014 when he went to St. Louis and that didn't work out too well. And before that, I think it was like 06 with Dwayne Rollison going to Edmonton. So it doesn't usually happen too often. So the return might not be as high as you guys might think you might need to give up if you were making a move for a goalie. Uh, but yeah, if, I, if I'm the Bruins and Rass is going to be out, you just don't know when he's coming back depending on how much salary Chicago might want to kick in or pick up, like Corey Crawford, Stanley Cup champ, uh, definitely not a workhorse guy anymore, might be able to slide in there. But that's just me bullshitting. Well, one other thing that made me laugh this week was uh, I saw one of those memes, and it was just a riot because it was like, oh, Tuca's playing goal our season. Uh, we soccer, our season's over. Then it's like, Tuka gets hurt. Our season's over. So <laughs> d- just typical Boston people. The, there's no fine line. It's either you're good or you suck. So from week to week, you get one or the other. Yeah, just bring Timmy Thomas out of retirement. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That Malcolm Subban miss with that draft pick is kind of hurting him now because if they hit on him, he'd be able to step up just from Providence right now. If he was actually hit, he, he could have been the backup this whole time yeah. for the last couple of years, which is tough. But um, just riding Marc-Andre Fleury out there in Vegas. <laughs> on on to uh, the next segment here. Been some uh, recent, well, not blockbusters by any means, but some recent trades in the NHL. You want to uh, talk about those, Manny? Yeah, so basically Anaheim just started selling off their role players. Um the more notable one with Anaheim was uh, they sent Andrew Cagliano to Dallas for Devin Shore. And the other notable trade, at least league-wide, was Carolina getting Nino Niederreiter for Victor Rask, which I thought was an interesting move by Minnesota. Um, but I also just wanted to give a shout-out to former Ranger and Rookie of the Month, Michael Delzato, being traded again for the corpse of Luke Shen and a seventh-round pick. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Delzato. He's kind of bounced around a lot lately from organization to organization. Was um, it was him? Oh, was it Redden? Remember we were in was Yeah, it was. It was Delzato. It was Wade Redden. No, Delzato too. They sent them down to Worcester while we were there, and it was one of those like, like Tuesday night games. It was a brown T-shirt oh, giveaway with all the DCU. Sh- oh my God, talk about culture shock from playing at MSG <laughs> to going there. Like, holy shit! But um. From- from Midtown to DCU. Yeah, talk about uh, on the downswing. That's when you call your agent and you're like, I'm going to Europe. But uh, another one of those trades, too, I find, like you said, that Nino Niederreiter trade. Do you think that's organizations giving up on him? Because that's now, this is going to be his third team now. I think it's probably more about cost certainty because Rask is signed for a little bit longer um, and probably cheaper than what Nino's going to get. 
uh, in his next deal. So Minnesota's up against a cap with a couple of other big contracts already on a book. So I think they're just trying to shuffle the uh, the chairs a little bit, trying to get back somebody with a similar skill set that's a little bit cheaper. But Nito Niederreiter is, a, I think, a much better player than Victor Rask. No, I agree with you on that 100%. I just didn't know with he's still a younger guy, and with him getting dealt again, I just don't know if he hasn't been traded as frequently years-wise as Dougie Hamilton, but now it's almost like another team, still kind of young. I just don't know if it's kind of a mesh thing, whether he's not meshing with the team or, like you said, just trying to shed some cap before uh, you're up against it and you got to make some more more moves. Yeah, the interesting thing was so far this year, since the holidays with Christmas holiday and everything, the NHL business basically shuts down. Uh, but since then, there have been 17 trades in a, around the league in that time frame, um, which is an average of 11 more than the typical uh, trades that are made in the same time frame from 2013 till now. So usually there's about six trades made during a post-trade uh, freeze, and now there's 17. So probably setting up a very active trade deadline. Do you think part of this, just me rambling and thinking in different ways, th- there's a lot of teams that haven't really lived up to their expectations this year. And, I mean, Minnesota's definitely been one of them. I mean, know they're in that wild card spot, but at the same time, I mean, Anaheim lost fucking 11, 12 games in a row, and they were still only one point behind them in the wild card race. So I think, you think maybe it's a little expectation part of it, kind of some guys need to get out of here, we need a better atmosphere in the room, or? Uh, I mean, when it comes to Minnesota, everybody was expecting them to kind of blow it up as much as they could over the summer when they sent Chuck Fletcher packing, and they didn't do that. They basically kept the roster the same. So this may be the start of a little bit of the shuffling, uh, even though they're still in a playoff spot. Because if you make the playoffs in NHL, you might as well just go for it and see what happens. Um, and especially when you have Dubnik and Goal and guys like Parisi and Sutter. So I don't think they're going to start blowing things up necessarily now, but over the summer I can see them trying to unload some of those big deals. And do you think they're going to keep all their D-men? I mean, they're stuck with Sutter, right? Um, they just gave uh, Dumbo that big deal. Um, they can move somebody like Spurgeon, I guess. But, yeah, I, I don't think they have much wiggle room in terms of what they can give up. No, I'm just going off of, like, I know one of their big things when Vegas came in last year was keeping that D in core, so they gave up that pick, Alex Tuck and Halla. And now it's kind of like, do you think they made the right move? You know, they're going to have to shed some cap, so. They got very much taken advantage of in that Alex Tuck, I recall a deal, just to keep Dumba in place. But hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't think this core in Minnesota is going to be around much longer. So I think they kept them together for this season to see if this group can make a run for it. And if this was any other year, they'd be so far out of playoff contention. But the fact that they're still in it just makes them keep the status quo for now, I think. And while looking at them right now, they are one point out of that last wild card spot at 51 points. And Mainzy, your thoughts on any of these deals? Yeah, keep going. Thanks for the help, bud. Uh, Last time ever. Well, going on to the next one. We got the uh, World Cup 2020 uh, officially not happening. Uh, This is being said that they believe it is not happening because the players in the PA want to go back to the Olympics. And would that be the same year? Would that be 2022, Benny? Uh, 2022 in Beijing. In Beijing. Ni hao, I believe, or konnichiwa. Well, actually, that might be At Japanese. The first lady is going to be so pissed off at that last sentence. I, I think that's Japanese. I definitely just messed that up. So <laughs> I apologize about that. But but I'm definitely uh, multicultural. So uh, uh, pr- proceed. <laughs> um, yeah, that was part of it. The other aspect of it was the NHL was kind of trying to use that as leverage uh, for the Players Association to extend the current CBA and not open it up for a possible negotiation. And when the uh, Players Association didn't just sign on to keep the uh, current agreement in place. 
uh, they both just agreed to scrap it because it would be too quick of a turnaround to negotiate a potential new CBA and set up the infrastructure for uh, 2020 uh, September to get the World Cup started, which very typical NHL. They did the World Cup, and I think in 2004, didn't do it until 2016, and now they're not doing it again in 2020. So very much up to NHL's alley just shooting themselves in the foot. Do you think... I, I don't want to say it's always looming or something in the sense like that. But anytime these two go to the table, they just never seem to get along for the CBA. It always seems to be something as to why it's not getting done. So one of my questions is, do you possibly see a lockout pending? And another thing is, it seems as if the owners have won on like every CBA, the, the ones that they've locked out for. Or they've gotten more. I don't want to say one, but they've definitely gotten more than what the players have. And with the escrow always being so high and things like that, do you think at some point like the players might win this bargaining agreement? I always have a very sick feeling in my stomach whenever it's coming up on the end of a CBA with these guys. Um, but for the most part, even the most outspoken guys that are player reps in the league right now, like Ian Cole in Colorado. He mentioned that most of the players just want to keep uh, the current system kind of in place for the most part, which is like a few minor uh, proposal edits. Uh, I think their big one is they want to include more of the revenue that teams bring in and to be considered hockey-related revenue, because if that's the case, not only would the cap go up a little bit, but the escrow would go down for the players. So more, the players would keep more of their paychecks every time. Uh, but I don't think, if that's really the sticking point, that in the Olympics, which Gary Bentman wants to go back to the Olympics. So even though he's trying to use that as a negotiating ploy, he will very happily give into that. I don't think there will be a lockout unless there's just something that we haven't seen yet or some inside information that hasn't come out yet about health of multiple franchises or something which led to the salary cap in the first place yeah one other thing on that too is if you look at like the boom in the game after each olympics like enrollment and everything else after each olympics was massive like a massive spike in interest in hockey and i understand the league shuts down and all the other bullshit that comes along with it but it's the best exposure you have for the game like i just don't get why there's always an issue I think Batman always brought it back to the NHL wasn't in control of the marketing of their players. And the Olympic Committee basically didn't want to market for the individual NHL teams. It's just about the tournament itself. So the league was, in their mind, losing the ability to market and losing potential revenue. Yeah, well, once as they come back, you can market the absolute shit out of them. But Yeah, because um, they do a good enough job right now anyway on their own. Yeah. Um Another thing is, too, do you think part of it was the owners a little bit? Because wasn't it the last time they went, Tavares ended up getting hurt and he missed like six weeks? So do you think it's just kind of more player safety? Because when I'm paying you $7 million, I don't want you to go over there and get hurt. I definitely think that's part of it. Like, What would you guys think if the Bruins were still as successful in 2022 as they are now? And somebody like Bergeron once and like broke his hand was going to miss the playoffs. I would cry. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it one bit. I'm pretty sure after the last World Cup, uh, Bergeron got hurt in the World Cup and started that season hurt. It's one of those things you're being paid all this money to play for a team. Now you're going and playing for your country, which is a huge honor, but there's no incentive for the NHL to actually have their players over there when it's like there's that risk of a star player getting hurt right before playoffs and ruining a run. Yeah, that kind of is a throwback to when the World Cup was happening more frequently uh, when Mike Richter was playing and that he suffered his first significant knee injury in the tournament and that kind of was the beginning of the end of his career and the Rangers kind of run in the mid to late 90s. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very real fear, I think, for the owners and coaches, but they can just as easily get hurt in a preseason game if they're playing, I think, than playing in the Olympics with the bigger rank and less physical style of play. 
one random thing. It's just in my head from the previous World Cup. The line of Bergeron, Martian, and Crosby was so good. I know we're years away, but do you just instantly put them together? Just boom. That's one of the lines. It will figure out the rest of the lineup after. We'll see if Marchand's still around or if he's suspended indefinitely. <laughs> I don't think he can get I think suspended for high right sticking you. <laughs> he, he can't get suspended for high sticking you, Benny. <laughs> I don't think he can reach that high. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but yeah, I think you put that line together like uh, means you were saying. If they were less successful, just give it a shot again. Well, speaking of hopes and dreams. Toronto not looking too good right now. Uh, 3-7-0 in their last 10. And a uh, Mr. I'm going to hold out because I'm worth the money, William Nylander. Shit, currently. Absolute dog yeah, shit. Uh, what, with, 20 games? Halak with more assists than what he has. So just shit. throw that out there. Oh, <laughs> I was not aware of that. Yeah, I think... Uh... I mean, we both kind of knew that him not having a full NHL camp, I know he was staying in shape back in Sweden, but it's not the same thing. That he was going to have a rough go of it later into the season he came back to the Leafs. But, yeah, he's been struggling really badly. Uh, their offense has kind of sputtered. Jake Gardner is getting run out of town. Uh, I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunately. But, yeah, there's a lot of turmoil out there in Toronto right now, and now they're starting to question if Frederick Anderson can actually be the goalie that takes them on a deep playoff run or a Stanley Cup championship. That uh, that Babcock coach is doing pretty good at getting the reins on these boys, huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think he's been overrated ever since he got to Toronto. Yeah, they've turned it around, but I think that had more to do with the devil himself, Lou Lamorello, and the drafts than Babcock coming in. I think... Most competent coaches could have went up to Toronto. Like, Elaine Mignot would have went up there, and I think they would have had pretty similar success. Do you think they're a little nervous that outside of the two big names and Matthews and Marner that there's definitely a lot of question marks in that lineup when it comes to producing? And definitely as of late, there's been a lot of question marks too. And like we said yet again, that episode right before Nylander signed, or maybe it was the one that he did sign, the cap's going up a little bit next year, but they got they got to pay a couple of guys. And once they're locked up and that cap's there, they're in it for the long term now. And if Nylander's a dud, they're in some serious trouble. Well, they're already talking about that. He may be traded in the summer because now that teams know what his contract is and Toronto probably just wanted him for the run this year and then would move him for a package in the summer that he may be on the move again. So we may have a whole other William, William Nylander saga in May, June, and July. Do you think with that, though, him coming back and now not producing, that hot stove ain't going to be very hot. I mean, you're going to have to find someone to bury a deal. You, you call Arizona and be like, hey, I heard Datsuk's finally retired now. Do you want to lose another $6 million a year? <laughs> Dude, I, I, I will gladly take him in New York. I will buy low. I will send you whoever you want that's not part of the core and take on the full contract to have a 24-year-old top six potential first line right winger, right hand shot in New York, then pairing with Panarin. Oh, and pairing with Panarin, you're already calling it? Episode yeah, 17, well, Artemi's going to New York. Yeah, Panarin's going to New York. He so, said either New York or Miami, and nobody's fucking playing for the Panthers. So July 1, he's there. I'll say July 3rd. All right, episode 17, a little <laughs> asterisk next to it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, the whole situation in Toronto is up, which is good for you guys. I'm sure you guys are happy about it. I mean, I'm thrilled. It's always one of those things It seems like, as a late, we play them every year in the playoffs, and it just seems to be one of those long and drawn-out series where there's always a little bit of drama. Kadri wants to fucking be a cheap prick. So there's always just something floating around by it. But it's scary, though, too, because at any point, like you said, Nylander is a number one right-handed shot. And at some point, this is all going to break free. And watch, it'll be the first game of the playoffs, and he'll break free for fucking eight goals. And, oh, that's the wheel of nine. We knew we had him. We love him. <laughs> so 
yeah, I mean, definitely enjoying it now. And another thing, too, random. Do you think, because you already said Lamarillo, do you think this is a little bit different now with Dubis being in it as a part of Big Lou? Because Big Lou comes in with all the rules and everything else, and now you got the young kid in there. Do you think maybe the boys are kind of easing up a little bit? It could be that. I just think it's more of a matter of the roster construction itself was conducive to a being a legitimate contender for a full 82-game season because with a team that's mainly built around three, maybe four offensive guys and hoping your slightly above-average goalie can carry you through for 82 games in a playoff run without like any slumps or dips in your play was kind of unrealistic. So I think unless they start making some moves for a defenseman at the deadline or uh, maybe another two-way forward or something, that this is kind of what the team is, and they can just as easily rattle off eight, nine, ten in a row as much as lose eight, eight in a row themselves. Uh, but where's Patrick Marlowe? He's waiting for Reebok to send him another new pair of skates. He's down to like <laughs> his last one. He can't move anymore. Like where's that? Where's the veteran leadership that they brought him? Like not saying he's not being a leader in a room, but it just I'm not hearing much in the way of him either saying something in a press or the media themselves saying that Marlowe is kind of handling business. Yeah, and they paid him a lot of money for, I think it's this year and next year, he's still on the books for it too. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that too, in a sense of just coming out and defending people. Like when Gardner got booed out of the Maple Leaf Gardens there that night, someone, one of the guys defended oh. him. But outside of that, yeah, it's been pretty quiet regarding him. So, interesting point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and what did they expect out of Gardner? He's been in the league, what, seven years now? You know what he is. He's a top four defenseman pretty much in name only. He's a fourth forward who sometimes is able to make a good headman pass or a defensive play, but you can't count on him to be a shutdown guy. No, and then, so the night all this happened was the night, who got the hat trick? Uh, Soderberg, Carl Soderberg got his first. Oh, his hat first trick. career hat trick. Yeah. yeah, and he outmuscled completely outmuscled Gardner. And then they started referencing last year when we beat him, somebody else outmuscled him for a puck too. And so he's not strong in the corners. And it's like, dude, you, you guys seem surprised. Like you, yeah. you didn't know this. He's been this way his whole career. Yeah, you guys have known this, and you didn't go out and get an actual top pairing defenseman to pair him with. All they have on that back end is Morgan Riley, man. Outside of that, they do not look too good. They should have made that McDonough trade at the deadline last year. The Rangers wanted to move into Toronto, and they didn't want to give up Kapanen. <laughs> well, in fairness, Kapanen did do good filling in before Nylander got signed. So, I mean, at least on that end, he kind of made a little bit of name for himself. Or maybe they actually saw this coming ahead of time, the Nylander lockout, so they were holding on to him. Yeah. But, so what do you guys think? Is home ice advantage important enough for the Bruins, or does it not really matter since you guys own that ass up in Toronto? Oh, we own that ass. That doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> Any thoughts, Mainzy, on the boys in the black and gold with, with the uh, the blue boys up there? I wouldn't really be worried playing up there in a seven-game series and having them have home ice advantage at all. We always seem to come out against Toronto. We have them figured out, and Unless all of a sudden Toronto decides that they're just going to come balls to the walls and you got Tavares and Matthews just net and everything, that's all it's going to come down to. I don't fear the Bruins losing up there. My only worry with the Bruins and them is secondary scoring. Outside the Bergeron line, there's not much for them, and that could really hurt them. The only thing that would scare me would be if they end up pairing like Tavares, Marner, and Matthews on one line, they just say, fuck it, we're going to rely on one line but at least these guys can do it, that would scare the shit out of me. But outside okay. of that, they need to spread it around. So with that, I'm not worried. Yeah, it's kind of what the Penguins would do if they were down by a goal late in the playoffs. They would just put Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby on the same line. Why me? Why me? <laughs> uh, but a little, just something that came up on uh, NHL Twitter, uh, but Drager is reporting that Teravon and signed an extension with Carolina, five years, $27 million. That's actually decent money. I didn't think he would re-sign there. Um, 
he's definitely been playing good. He must be having fun with the boys there, planning all these uh, post-game sellies. So maybe that's why he locked them down. It's actually decent money, too, because all those rumors about that new owner and all the bullshit, like you don't know what's true and what isn't, but they said he was pretty cheap. But for him to actually lock him up and to still pay him, I think maybe that's a little bit uh, eye-opening for other free agents if they're interested in going certain places. Yeah, they combine that with the Niederreiter trade. Um, Terabani, he's a good player. I don't know if over 5 mil. If he's going to get that much money, how much is Hazy going to get on the open market? Like seven? Eight, 8.25. So he's not going to come back to New York then. Um, but Terabani, solid player, top six guy. Last year, 23 goals, 64 points. This year, his goal scoring is down, but he's turned into a a strong playmaker. He kind of reminds me of a younger Jordan Eberle, just mm-hmm. kind of like the top six winger who can pot in 15, 20 goals, but is more of a perimeter playmaker. I like Eberle too, man. Uh, when he ended up going to the Islanders, I was a little upset. I was like, shit, we definitely could have used him. Like, I just, I just like the way he plays. Just a great player. There's that thing, since Eberle was mentioned, somebody, an Oilers beat writer on Twitter sketched out the Mark Messier trade. Oh my so god, Messier, dude, I saw that. That was awesome. It would basically boil down to Mark Messier for Ryan Spooner, who was just placed on waivers. Well, we can touch on that, too. Um, Peter Chiarelli, killing it in Edmonton, dude. I mean, everybody in that division should be like, they should be sending him fucking bottles of booze. <laughs> that, like, he shouldn't have to pay for anything. Like, it's fucking insane how he's blowing that team up, but legitimately thinking he's doing good. It's it's amazing to me. And then on top of it, he, he ends up getting Ty Ratty, who, outside of the ACL and the MCL injuries, he came back beginning of the year, was playing good, then the whole we all sucked, then it was the coaching change, everything else. Him going down to, I believe they're in Bakersfield, there's going to be certain people calling for certain guys. And... I don't think it matters what he does. He, he's gone. Once is the season, well, their season ends, not this season. Once is their season ends, so does his. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know, man. I just don't know how you still have a job. Like, I, I'm, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I think I could do a little bit better than that. Yeah, I mean, he ran himself out of Boston. There were some of his decisions too, right? Yeah, a lot of long-term uh, deals yeah. that... Uh, guys locked up and we couldn't move or he didn't want to move and then Sweeney came up and fucking blew the whole farm up. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Chiarelli, we've talked about his uh, quote-unquote abilities in a few episodes. It's weird because for a while Edmonton had a bunch of like first-round top three overall picks up front and no defensemen or goaltending. Then they made the move for Talbot, who's a solid goalie. He's not going to stand on his head to win your cup or anything. But then he started dealing from his strength to shore up the defense, but then he would trade them for subpar defensive players. And now he's trading even more uh, resources to try and get offensive guys to replace the guys he dealt. So it's like there's no plan. He's just like plugging his fingers and holes in a dam, and then another one sprouts up. Just... It's not a very good damn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Going to another random tidbit I saw today, and I thought it was interesting just because the way that they labeled it. Um, Martin St. Louis is hired by the Columbus Blue Jackets as a special teams consultant, strictly for the PP. Um, I've heard of development coaches, offensive guys, defensive guys. But strictly a PP consultant, I mean, and I'm not knocking Marty St. Louis by any means, but I know one of the things we used to do, at least in the AHL, is, hey, if shit isn't working for us and Wilkes-Barre's been fucking two for three for their power play for the last three and three, I'm pulling up Wilkes-Barre's tape to see what they're doing on the power play. Like, it just seemed, like, simple to me. Granted, Marty and St. Louis helps you out in a lot of other different ways because... A, for him being so small, but playing the way that he did, obviously his skill set is a different world, so he can try to teach that and pass that along. But it just seems so weird, a special teams consultant. For me, if I was the assistant coach in charge of the power play, I'd be like, what the fuck? 
Yeah, it's called you're you're gassed at the end of the year. <laughs> Marty's taking your job. That's what that's called. Like I know St. Louis has, uh, I think it's Brett Larson actually that runs the power play there, but him and Torts have a long history, obviously from their time in Tampa Bay. So I'm not surprised that he was brought in in that aspect. But I know St. Louis was enjoying coaching his kids, uh, like PB teams. Uh, in Connecticut and stuff, so I'm kind of surprised he would take on a role with a uh, NHL team, kind of like full time mid season. Yeah, it said in the uh, thing that he was still going to live in Connecticut, so I think it's probably just okay. going to be a travel thing. Maybe if the team is playing in New York, kind of jump up, go check there. Probably if they're at home for a couple of days, kind of fly in, fly out type deal. So, I mean, hey, maybe he could Skype with us. Uh, so. <laughs> My little tidbit about if I was the assistant coach in charge of the power play, I would be like, what the fuck? I just realized that Larson wasn't brought in by Torts. He was a holdover from Todd Richards. Oh, so gassed. You're gone. Yeah, so he's yeah. gone. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's trying to convince Stanley to come join him on the staff like next season as an assistant. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a bad guy just in the sense of he's still – so young in the sense of not being out of the league too long so he still has that connection as a player to the players where you have some guys who have been out of the league 10 years and they come back and they just want to be one of the boys and it's like no guy like we don't smoke squares in the locker room anymore like you know we uh we don't we just kind of play and we train all the time and shit like that so yeah i think with him only what's he been out now two years uh, he retired the year after the Rangers. So twenty four, summer twenty fourteen, he went out. I think the year after the Rangers lost in the cup. Has it been that long? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I, I don't know. Though. At most, at most, it was the following year. So the summer of twenty fifteen was the year he went out. Oh, I'm way off then. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's still so visible with certain things. Maybe that's why I feel like it hasn't been that long. But I don't yeah. know. Man. <laughs> He'll, he'll always hold a very special place in my heart for that OT winner against the Canadians. I, I was going to say something French, but I don't talk French. so <laughs> we, uh, you, you talked Japanese before. Yeah, and it came off the tongue fluent as could be, too. So um, Yeah, I'm, I'm being serious. Expect a text from the first lady. I cannot <laughs> wait. I, I hope she sends it in a certain language. I have to dissect it, too. Like, making me really earn it. I would love that. <laughs> Going on to probably our favorite part of the week, history, lock of the week, game of the week. I mean, definitely a uh, condensed schedule this week with the All-Star break coming Saturday. Uh, we still have to figure, I mean, obviously I know you're doing the skills, so you're going to be you know, maybe a little Facebook Live love for us, but we're, we're going to have to see if we're going to do a show next week or not. Just kind of, I mean, this, they're done Wednesday, so tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday, done. Then it's the lull, I mean a recap of the all-star game it was wide open three on three someone won you know Lundqvist looked great uh great but he couldn't stop at three on three by himself <laughs> yeah fucking yeah the someone won 15 13 so uh, we'll have to talk to see if we'll do an episode next, or maybe we'll go to the bahamas and enjoy too wait is marcy in the all-star game this year who no um pasternak okay i was gonna say if marcy was in there i'd just watch to see if he would just chirp in an all-star game i i would like pay to upgrade your seats to see if you could chirp him and if he would just chirp back at you the whole time. Yeah, you try and get a free hockey stick. <laughs> I don't think you're getting that from him. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll figure out if I'll do a show. I'm going to be at the uh, the uh, Fan Fest thing on Sunday, too, trying to get my picture with the Cubs since I'm trying to get as close as I can to it since the Rangers will never win it. No balls, right? Go in and like take like the picture like normal with the photographer, and then once right after he clicks it, dude, fucking just grab it right over your head like all right one, like one more quick one one more quick one i start trying to like book it out of the arena <laughs> yeah, just, that'd be well worth the arrest for the record yeah i just if i'm going to do that i might as well just get uh my hat that says two five and ten for the free publicity and the t-shirt you, you need you need the reversible like two five and ten on each the front and the back so at least no matter which way they cuff you they can see it It'd be like me, my Davy Patriot is getting arrested for Brady. That's it, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so game of the week. Last week we both lost. We both picked that shit team up in Boston. Uh, I'm glad that they lost for me because that means the Rangers got a win finally uh, at the Garden, TD Garden. So 
this week, short week, like you said, I'm going to go uh, lock of the week is Calgary at home over to Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday. Carolina making a long trek over, kind of disappointing year. Uh, Calgary, even though they've kind of cooled off slightly, it uh, should be an easy win for them. And my lot, uh, my game of the week pick, same night, tomorrow night, San Jose on a road against the defending Stanley Cup champs, Washington Capitals. I have the same game of the week, San Jose at Washington. Another, Get off my dick. And, blow me. <laughs> uh, another game of the week I have, and also my winners coming from there, I have Wednesday night, Nashville at Vegas. And this is killing me to say it. It is the last game before the All-Star break. The boys are already in Vegas. I think Vegas' uh, oh, yeah. hometown advantage there is going to be in full swing, and I think uh, Vegas is going to beat my Predators Wednesday night, and that kills me because I love the Preds. Uh, Mains, do you got any picks this week, or what do you got? Uh, I don't know, really. I'm just finally looking at the schedule now. Working afternoons is a little hard to keep up with all the games all week long, but... Uh, no, I do like your game of the week, Sharks and Caps. That should definitely be an interesting one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Out. What's the lock? Of, what's the lock of the week for you? Yeah, anybody stick out? Who, who who's just in the bag? You got to get bragging rights over Bobo. <laughs> All right, we'll do Caps over Maple Leafs with Caps taking that one. All right, we'll hold you to it. Um. Who do we got for shoutouts this week, Penny? I'm actually surprised yet again with only a couple of fucking topics. We're about at 47 minutes now, so so not too bad. Well, I'm going to give a shout out to today in NHL history. Oh shit! I, I jumped the gun. My fault. <laughs> See? I, I messed up. I'm, I was very much looking forward to this one because it's um it's an honor of you, Kevin, since you know how to finish quickly. Uh, in 1945, the Boston Bruins sent an NHL record for the fastest four goals by one team. They beat the Rangers 14-3 to at the Boston Garden. Uh, also, in 2004, um, the Minnesota Wilds had an NHL record for the fastest two goals scored by one team, and Jim Dowd and Richard Park scored three seconds apart in a 4-2 win against the Blackhawks in Minnesota. So those two were facts for you, Kevin. And the last little bit, tidbit of NHL history... In 1997, Pittsburgh Penguins rookie goalie Patrick Laleem made 49 saves to improve the 14-0 and extending the NHL record for the longest unbeaten streak to start a career after defeating the Calgary Flames 4-2. Now, if I can get back on track here. Ben, who do we have for <laughs> shout-outs this week? Uh, I want to give a shout-out, obviously, to the First Lady, Kenichiwa, so just so I get in trouble, too. <laughs> you're, not a, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to her uh, light week for that uh, everybody else needs to step up their fucking game if they want a shout out I like it uh, I have give a, a shout out to Mainzy. I'll give a shout out to Mainzy for joining us for joining us this week uh, and actually listening to the podcast I'm like that piece of crap Bobo yeah in another words well I'm not going to say who it was yet again but I never got a compliment about the outro song last week so fuck that person they're out yep um, no, more sponsor, no more free sponsors for that. Nope. Fuck you. You're out. Uh, Main, do you have any shout outs this week? Uh, yeah. Shout out to you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, shout out to the wife as well. She had her wisdom teeth pulled, so it's been a fun couple four days for her. Yeah, quiet for you, though. Yeah, a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Mainzy actually scheduled her to get her wisdom teeth out, but she already got them pulled years ago. He's sick of her talking back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shout outs this week. I went out last week with the with my boy the Spill. We had a couple of beers, some nachos. So big shout out to him. Uh, missed them. It had been a while. The boys need to do it again. Another shout out the uh, Georgetown Boys Club hockey team. Big shout out to them down in DC. Listening to two five and ten. Zach Spill killing it. And uh, always good when the boys make Spilly by the thirty racks. They always taste better when Spilly buys. So remember that. Um, I don't want to say a shout out, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little beat up, a little tap on the back. Did uh, 25 straight yesterday? When I, no, no, hold on. I went in Saturday night at 6, and then I left Sunday at 7 p.m. Like, it snowed, and then it sleep. Like, it was an absolute fucking nightmare. Work well, sucked. Hold on, hold, hold on, Kevin. I got something for you. Ugh. It's the world's tiniest violin. Keep playing it while I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh... 
No, th- this storm sucked. It, it just would not go away. It was constant. Um, How much did you guys end up getting? Dude, not even that much. Like, at work in Arlington, we only got, like, four inches. But it was just, it dragged out. And then when the sleet on top, so we would scrape and treat, and then fucking it would be, like, a little coating. So then we'd have to go and re-scrape. Every, like, it would not end. It drove me absolutely insane. And you know me once I, and then on top of it, too, this is even funnier. I plan leaving at 6, just doing a straight 24. So I go to do one last route before I go in, and of course I get fucking stuck in all this <laughs> shit in the truck. So I had to wait to get pulled out, so then I ended up leaving at 7. So it was just miserable. Like, oh my god, like, from one end to the other, it's just, I hate the snow. I hate the I, snow. I saw, you, I saw you sledding today, though. Gotta pull out that energy. Yeah, no, uh, big shout out to Big Red as always, uh, taking care of the kids while I was gone. And then, uh, yeah, we got up this morning and we went sledded. We did about four rides up and down the hill because the high today was about eight. So, um, yeah, it was yeah. cold out here too. It was like 59. Yeah, I know. You probably had to, uh, you had to, you had to put your flip flops away. I hear you guys. <laughs> I, I loved, uh, Redder's, uh, instagram story from over the weekend with emma just like giving up on life in the snowsuit oh my god it is so (laughs) funny seeing her that she is miserable it's like uh the kid in a christmas story that can't move like she's just so bunched up on the thing she's pissed but with that being said you guys and me snowstorms oh i hate them i hate them with that being said anything else we got to touch on this week I'm good on my end. Good. Mainzy, anything before we go? No, I got nothing. I got nothing on my end. Just, I guess everybody enjoy Lundqvist in the All-Star game. Could be the last one if he keeps playing behind his defense for the rest of his career. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, maybe he'll be in a Bruins uniform depending on how long Tuke is beat up for. Ah, Jesus. Yeah, we'll see. But with that being said, as always, thank you, everyone. We appreciate it taking the time listening to us. Hopefully we can uh, fulfill your hour the best that we can. Benny, let's just keep this fucking train rolling. Like, make that motherfucker stronger. A little bit more jack in that coke. You know what I'm saying? All right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Peace.